Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. For students at Santa Rosa Junior College in Sonoma County, the last few years have been a series of disasters. The Tubbs and Nunn fires in 2017, Kincaid in 2019, the Glass Fire in 2020, the smoke from fires burning elsewhere, floods, and that's not even to mention the pandemic. To process it all, a crew of journalism students put together a new podcast called Chronic Catastrophe to look at how these multiple disasters are affecting the bodies, minds, and spirits of people in Sonoma County, and we'll have them on to discuss what they found. And then we'll talk with KQED's Luke Sai about our new series on the underrated San Jose food scene that's coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Climate change is not going to get better anytime soon, and we've all been feeling the effects. But few places have been as ravaged as Sonoma County, one of the most beautiful areas in the world, and also the site of massive destructive wildfires for of the past five years. In their new podcast, journalism students from Santa Rosa Junior College ask what all the tragedies are doing to their minds and health in what's a nearly unprecedented situation. Like, even PTSD doesn't fit us, because we're never really post-disaster. Just when we've reached what's supposed to be the end, it all begins again. If you don't live in Sonoma County, the fact remains that we're all going to experience climate-linked disasters. So this podcast feels like a dispatch from the very near future, a world where the baseline has shifted drastically and we have to decide what to do nervously looking at the sky, breathing uneasily. Here to talk about their podcast and this new reality are the co-hosts and producers of Chronic Catastrophe. Lauren Spates, who was a journalist prior to returning to school. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Sure. We also have Nick Vitas, a fire chaser, breaking news photographer. Welcome, Nick. Hi. It's good to be here. And we have Maritza uh, Camacho, who just transferred to San Diego State. Congratulations. She's majoring in journalism and who we heard in that cut of audio in the intro. Welcome to the show, Maritza. Thank you so much. So grateful to be here. So, Lauren, let's start with you. Why did you want to make this podcast? Yeah, you know, we wanted to focus on the human toll of repeated environmental disasters and that's because, you know, we're, we're student journalists, so we're not only reading the news, we're not only consuming it, we're studying it, and we're learning about coverage. And we're also in proximity to these events. I mean, we've lived through them. 
And what we realized is that there was a massive hole in the coverage. We see a lot of stories about the economic and environmental losses, right? Billions of dollars of homes destroyed, the economy destroyed, the ecosystems and wildlife affected. But human beings are affected very deeply, even if you, your own home doesn't burn down. You know, our mental health, our physical health, our psyches, um, what we think about who we are, we're, it's all, we're all impacted. And so we wanted to try and fill that gap with this yeah. story. Maritza, I, I think we all know that Sonoma County has been hit by a sort of string of catastrophes. But just from your perspective, can you remind listeners of what your cohort has, has really gone through? Yeah, so we've gone through wildfires. We've gone through floods. Um, recently, we're going through mudslides, too. Uh, actually, Lauren uh, was trying to escape the mudslide a couple days ago. Mm. Um and it's this keeps happening um, over and over again. Like it's not something we're going just one year and then we have a break. We don't have a break, and that's what's really, really devastating. Yeah. And like for you, when does this era start? Was it the Tubbs fire, or does it stretch back even further? Um, for me, yes, it was the Tubbs fire um, in 2017. I did. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. In 2017, I did evacuate from the Tubbs fire. Um, and I was only a two minute drive from coffee park. And it's crazy to see that now because coffee park is a suburban area. And as you guys might have, um, known, uh, coffee park is where 1400 homes were destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, again, only lived in two minute drive. And if you look at satellite images, there was a huge field in front of my home, um, a couple blocks down and that was completely ablazed. Um, so that's where kind of it all started. How old were you when that happened? I was uh, 16. It was, yeah, 16. So a bunch of the kids that you went to high school with lost their homes and teachers and things. Exactly. Um, about uh, 56 students in my high school, which was Piner High School, um, lost their home. Uh, I mentioned in the episode how walking into my first class, my first class was trigonometry. Uh, three of those students, uh, one being in my team um, in my trigonometry class, lost their home and six teachers lost their homes, too. Um, and in the entire district, about 5% of the student and staff population lost their homes. So it's definitely, it's shocking. And it's crazy to think I was one of the lucky ones. But as I mentioned in the episode, I'm not one of the lucky ones. Because it's been so difficult kind of on your mental health and, and just kind of spirit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Nick Vitas, has this also been your experience of of the Sonoma County kind of string of disasters? So for me, I don't believe I've been personally as affected um, by the, the, the uh, Tubbs fire because I live in Sonoma. So I'm just a little bit south of Santa Rosa and where it all hit. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it's affected me because I've documented these fires as a photojournalist. You know, I've, I've covered every major wildfire here in the county since the Tubbs fire. Wow. So you've up, been up close and personal with, you know, some of these unprecedented fire events. Yes, I've, I've been a little too close for comfort many times oh. to the front lines of, the, of these massive fires. Yeah. And I have I have a deep respect for them. Yeah. 
We're talking about the podcast Chronic Catastrophe with three of its co-hosts and producers who are journalism students at Santa Rosa Junior College. You've been hearing from Nick Vitas, fire chaser, breaking news photographer, Maritza Camacho, who just transferred to San Diego State, where she's majoring in journalism, and Lauren Spates, who was a journalist and uh, went back to school uh, recently. And it's going to be a journalist again, sure sounds like. We'd love to hear from you. What toll has living through chronic catastrophe had on your mind, body, and spirit? You can give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. You can email your questions and experiences to forum at kqed.org. We have a cut from your show that gets at the idea that our entire kind of paradigm of mental health breaks down under pressure from climate change. It's from the episode titled The Mind, hosted by Maritza. Uh, We first hear from Hannah, who she interviewed, and then Maritza herself. Let's listen in. But I do remember getting super bad anxiety from, like, seeing the sky. Like, it just reminded me of it, and I just got really bad anxiety. But other than that, I think I'm kind of numb to the situation. Like, I don't know. I, it just makes me, like, nervous. But I think I just get more worried about, like, oh, here we go again. Like, the world's ending <laughs> kind of thing. I think I mostly just had, like, PTSD from it. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die every day I walk on the street. Something's going to happen to me. <laughs> or like me, when my heart pounds, when my hands shake, and when my eyes well with tears simply at one whiff of smoke. You might find yourself calling these situations triggers, but that doesn't seem quite right. Uh, Maritza, why doesn't triggers feel right to you as the way to describe what happens when you smell smoke? I feel like triggers isn't an accurate way to describe what we're going through because trigger implies that it's a second experience and that second experience isn't as bad. It's like a quieter echo Um, but we relive this so many times every single year. So essentially we're not triggered. We're getting Mm re-traumatized. So each time that I smell smoke, it, it's, it sends a different vibration through my body. And even when I'm not in Sonoma County, and now that I'm here in San Diego, um, any smell of smoke and it's still flashbacks to what I went through in 2017 and what I kept going through when I still lived in Sonoma County. Yeah. Lauren, what, going into this kind of unprecedented situation, what was kind of the, the playbook for dealing with a disaster uh, and making sure that your mental health stayed intact? Yeah. (laughs) What's the playbook? That's a great question. And that's, That's sort of what we're getting at. Is there one? You know, we've had playbooks here for a while in terms of packing. You know, all of us that live in Sonoma County have gone through this ritual of evaluating what's in our homes and deciding, okay, if I have two hours to pack, what do I take? If I have 15 minutes, what do I take? That's really heavy. You know, I mean, to to, to look at what you own and what you possess and think, if I can only have a few things left to my name, what are those things? Mm. So we've done that. We've gone through that physical process. You know, in my mom's group, (laughs) I have a two-year-old. And in my mom's group, we've all shared, like, the spreadsheets that we keep with the lists of what's tier one, tier two, tier three. And we get ready to say, okay, this is going to be like a tier two pack. (laughs) And it's kind of a joke, but uh, humor is how we cope. So 
I think you hear that with Hannah and to your question about what's the playbook and how do you deal with mental health? Um, we're flailing around a little bit with how to deal with it. Mm. And you hear that in the episode in that research shows that even people who see a disaster at a distance are affected with their mental health. So really everyone in the county is affected whether you have to pack and flee or not. I think what we need to get to is a point where people have a playbook where they know, okay, this is what I'm gonna pack. Um, but they also have a sense of self that's strong enough that if they don't get to take everything they want to, they're still gonna feel like they know who they are. We find mm -hmm. that that doesn't necessarily happen all the time. It's, it's pretty heavy. And you mean just because when they lose their things, they lose a part of themselves? Yes. Uh, and this Nick talks about this in his episode. But, um, you know, it's it's really common for people to say, like, I'm from New York. I'm a native New Yorker. And when I go back home and people talk about what it's like to live in Sonoma County and we discuss the devastation, people always say, oh, thank God everyone is safe. You know, thank God people got out. Everything they own, that's just stuff that can be replaced. Yeah. And they're not really wrong but they're not really right either. You know, a lot of what we collect over a lifetime defines who we are as people. And when you lose that, it can really unmoor you as a person. It can really make you question who you are. Nick, it seemed like a lot of the people you talked to also saw the disasters as kind of an abrupt end to their childhoods. Yeah, and uh, we see that with uh, with, she with, with uh, Seamus in, in my episode, you know, it, it forced him uh, the tub spire, you know, forced him to really grow up very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the podcast Chronic Catastrophe with three of its co-hosts and producers who are journalism students at Santa Rosa Junior College, Lauren Spates, Nick Vitas, and Maritza Camacho. What toll has living through Chronic Catastrophe had on your mind, body, and spirit? And one of the questions the podcast asked that we'd like to pose to listeners is, given the toll Chronic Catastrophe can have. Is it worth it to you? It's better to stay and adapt or leave for other places. Call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email, of course, forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the podcast Chronic Catastrophe with three of its co-hosts and producers, Lauren Spates, Nick Vitas, Maritza Camacho. And we'd like to add you into the conversation. Claire from Sonoma, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm just so pleased to hear this conversation as hard as it is. Um, I've evacuated for, this is the first year, 2021 has been the first year I have not evacuated since the Tubbs fire in 2017, so since 2016. Um, and it has taken a really hard toll on me and my community members and my family. During the fire in 2017, I was a part of a 
um, a team, a wellness team at a place called Pharmacopia. This was in Santa Rosa. So we were dealing with, you know, getting access to teas and to respiratory system remedies to help people um, on the front lines um, of the fires. And I, I don't know, I just wanted to say that I, I care so deeply about these communities and we really just don't know the effects that this has. All I know is that we really only get a very brief period of time to live each year without having to start thinking about what we're going to pack for mm-hmm. our tiers of evacuation or, you know, how long fire season is going to last. So I feel like the window of time that we actually get to recover is so small that the the chances of really getting to rest and recover is is just so slim. So Claire, I, how are you dealing yeah. with that? Um, you know, I just feel like I'm reaching out to the resources in my community, you know, therapy and um, wellness, you know, alternative wellness practices that support me. I'm a clinical herbalist. So using the herbs, using, um, you know, my friends and family who have been through a similar experience to kind of call when I'm in that panic mode and I'm like, oh my God, I'm starting to feel fire season coming on. I'm having a kind of panic feeling in my body and then we can like speak about it and really um, support each other in understanding what that, what that means. Thank you, Claire. That seems remarkably healthy as a way of dealing with with this tremendous uh, trauma. Um, I want to get to this, uh, this question of sort of the, the spirit of, uh, of the place as it's encountered so many difficult times. And we have a cut from the show. It's uh, Seamus and Hannah sharing their experiences. You know, and, and the idea of rebuilding in the same plot that has been historically a path for wildfires, it, I wouldn't have made that same decision that my parents made to rebuild. Hannah feels the same way. Her mom and stepdad didn't rebuild, but bought a house just down the block one that didn't burn. We ended up buying a house in Fountain Grove. So that's, yeah, we sold our lot and uh, we, they bought a house in Fountain Grove. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. But, you know, they they love it. So that's great. You know, Nick, I want to ask you, did you find this kind of generational divide where sort of young people are sort of like, wait, hold on. Why are, why are we re-putting down these roots after the fire keeps scouring them out? Yeah, I mean, you you really hit it there, and you know, it's it's this this the divide that we saw is that um, a lot of the younger people that we interviewed are ready to leave. You know, they don't feel safe in their communities anymore because they really have to live in you know in constant fear that a fire will take out their house. Um, But if you know, just looking at uh, at Ty when when we interviewed her. You know, she moved to Idaho after the Tubbs fire, but then came back because her roots were so deep here that she just couldn't see herself living anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that that divide between the generations, you know, s- says a lot. Yeah. Lauren, do you feel like being at Santa Rosa Junior College, where there's really students of all ages, kind of allowed you all to see some of those differences play out and, and hear them in the podcast? Yeah, without a doubt. Sonoma County is a very diverse place and the JC, as we call it lovingly up here, the JC has a very diverse student body. 
The JC has about 20,000 students and they range in age and class and socioeconomic status um, and ethnicity. And it's a really varied group. So it's, it's, a wonderful it's a wonderful place for sources, candidly, if you're a journalist, because you really have the ability to tap into a lot of perspectives. Um, what I would want to add about what Nick just said about Ty is that Ty didn't only move back. Can you tell us who Ty is, by the way, just for people who haven't heard the podcast? Of course, absolutely. So Ty Benoit is a Tubbs fire survivor who lived in a neighborhood called Larkfield Wikiup, which was a suburban neighborhood, but very wooded and very beautiful. Her house actually exploded from the Tubbs fire. It approached her house and she has some data that shows that her house actually exploded. Um, she was a history professor at the JC for 40 years and she was a world traveler who'd amassed an incredible collection of out of print books from around the world. And so her library was a big part of her identity. When she lost her house and she lost her library, she couldn't go back to teaching anymore. She felt like every time she would think about a lecture or a lesson, she'd reach for a book and the book was gone and it was too heavy and too hard for her to keep going. So she gave up teaching, she couldn't go back. But I bring up Ty because Ty left Sonoma County for Idaho where her children had moved and she thought it would be safer. She thought it would be um, a better place for her to really kind of, you know, live the next phase of her life. She didn't just move back though, because of she felt her roots were in the county. She moved back because the identity of the Idahoans that she was living among in, in the uh, Treasure Valley, she felt like they just didn't get climate change. They didn't mm. respect what was happening and they weren't making day-to-day -day choices to help solve the problem. Right, it was still kind and of an it, abstract notion. Totally. And it, totally, it's abstract and it's distant. And she thought like, uh, how can this be? I, I, she felt like she was living in another world with people that were out of the loop and she couldn't take it. So she and her husband left Idaho where her children had moved and moved back to Sonoma County, cut ties with PG&E. They, they moved to Healdsburg, so they don't need to use PG&E anymore for power. And she framed that certificate on her wall. It's a, you know, adapting to climate change is a huge part of her life now. Let's bring in Max from Winters. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Hey, Max. Thanks for calling. Good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that the LNU fire started with lightning. My son and I were watching this beautiful lightning show, and I've always liked watching lightning. I didn't realize that was going to turn into a huge fire and come really close to my house so at 2 in the morning. I see this fire barreling down in winters from the West. And I think, why isn't the fire department going door to door, telling people they have to pack up? So in addition to packing up my own belongings, I had the stress of thinking, okay, how many residents do I tell? So I told about six or seven houses immediately around me, well, come up. And then I said, I'm out of time. Are the rest of these people going to die? But, it, you know, as far as the ongoing effects of it, yeah. I think I've had great I've had low grade depression for quite a while, but it made it even worse. Mm. And and then uh, it sort of also affected other areas of my life. Since I've had uh, pneumonia from fire smoke before, I started wearing something called a, a P ninety nine mask. Like is that it, it like the like, sort of gas masky looking one? That's <laughs> a serious gas mask. So. You know, I'd wear that into Costco or the grocery store, and I'd hear people whispering, and I'd even hear derisive comments because I think people thought I was trying to make a political statement. Uh, you know, and so 
it's just it's just sort of kind of compounded this long-term grayness. And like somebody else on your show said, when you have something fundamentally shaken, as far as your safety, you start questioning everything. So then I, I look at the drought that we're in right now, and I, I think I view that too negatively, like, God, I got to get ready for this drought now. Well, it realistically it may not hit our community for five or 10 years, but I'm just thinking like, yeah. I don't know, everything's negative. You're and feeling so, the baseline shift. Well, thank you so much, Max, for sharing that experience with us. I mean, we actually happen to have a therapist uh, on the line at Kelly from Berkeley. And I thought maybe, Kelly, you could uh, share what you've learned about treating people who have gone through these kinds of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been working as a somatic psychotherapist in the Berkeley area for the last 15 plus years. And um, just since the fires have really taken off, I've been doing a lot of EMDR, which is also known as eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a great tool for working with trauma, um, and PTSD gets locked in the body. And as a somatic psychotherapist, what we learn to do is use the body as a resource to help people heal through the trauma, um, rather than plain talk therapy, where you can communicate about it, but you might not be able to unlock the parts of it that are stuck in the body and held. Um, EMDR is one of the forms that's really useful for working through the PTSD. Somatic experiencing is another one I highly recommend. And it allows people to really process through the trauma. So, for example, if you get in a car accident and... Um, you get smashed, you will continue to get in your car maybe and go for a drive. But then every time a car comes up near you sort of in the same way that car mm. hits you, your whole body will flinch up and you'll feel it in your body because it's locked inside of you. And so using different forms of somatic uh, psychotherapy, you can actually begin to unlock and heal the trauma that's stuck inside the body so that you don't have that intense emotional response or that fear response. Um, and your your body's not going into fight or flight or freeze. Yeah. So I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. And um, I've worked with several people over telehealth in the last few years who have been through fires. And it's devastating what, what they're holding, the loss, the grief, all the layers of it. And yeah. I just can't recommend enough for people to get mental health. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for that experience and sharing sharing your knowledge with us of, of what's worked for some folks. You know, I thought, uh, Maritza, maybe we could talk about the final episode in your podcast, which kind of asked this really fundamental question that I think lots of people for various reasons in the Bay Area are asking themselves, which is, is it really worth it to live here? What did you, what do you think, we're going to hear a cut from it in a second, but what do you think were the sort of key themes that you got that people were kind of struggling with around that question? I feel like um, the premise of is it even worth it was built on the idea that you even can say yes or no, um, because there are thousands of people who are stuck there in Sonoma County who can't move even if they wanted to because of finances or disabilities or family ties. Um, Atel, uh, she, we, she was mentioned in episode four as well as in episode one. And uh, she talked about how when she was trying to transfer to go to new colleges and try to explore 
um, outside of Sonoma County, she she couldn't. She had to stay because due to the fact that her family lost so much in such little time, she kind of felt an um, quote unquote obligation almost um, to stay. Um, And like Ty, she left California for Idaho, like mentioned, um, but still ended up moving back. And Seamus, who plans to move after college graduation, because he said it was paralyzing to live there. Mm. So it's kind of, it depends on how each person face the fires head on. Um, For myself, for example, I mean, now I'm here in San Diego, which is completely, I never, it was very difficult the last couple of months because the last couple of months that I was in Sonoma County, we were um, going through red flag warnings. And Mm -hmm. I kept thinking to myself, like, is it worth it to leave when I have all my family here and I can't take everything with me to down to San Diego. So is it worth it to leave everything and like still have the risk of everything like burning down essentially? And that was very terrifying and paralyzing for the last couple months in Sonoma County. So it's, when people ask themselves, like, is it worth it to stay? Um, it's the question also implies, like, where do you even go at this point? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hear Stacy sharing her thoughts on this kind of struggling with a lot of the same issues in the podcast final episode. Is it worth it? I know what my partner would say. And he would say, yes, he's his, he's kind of born and bred Sonoma boy, um, longstanding family roots here. And he would say that, This is about adaptability and we have to adapt to these changes and we should teach our child how to adapt to these changes. And part of me agrees with that, but it's hard to feel like you can adapt to breathing smoky air three, four months of the year or, or even living in a place where, and and I, I worry about this because I feel like if, if we're struggling to afford the cost of living here, What's it going to be like in 10 or 20 years for our son? And do we want to raise him and give him roots in a place where it feels like he will always be struggling as well? Lauren, I want to ask you about this cut. I mean, I think it really just gets at this this feeling. I mean, I think of um, Hannah, who we heard earlier uh, in the show, saying, oh, here we go again, the world's ending. Like, it's amazing to be 20 years old or, you know, even 40 years old and to be able to have that thought year after year. The other thing I really hear in that cut, too, is she's sort of connecting up both the climate catastrophe to many of the other problems in the Bay Area. As someone from outside of this place, how do you see your own decision to sort of stay and put down roots or not? Yeah, so my decision to stay here is rooted in um, an idea that we talk about in episode four, um, an assistant professor from San Jose State, Amanda Stasowitz, who we interviewed, she said that you will in the future pick your poison. It doesn't matter where you live. You might deal with wildfire here, but you could deal with severe hurricanes over and over again You know, on the East Coast. You'll deal with tornadoes in the Midwest, especially in places now where tornadoes normally didn't touch down, like in Tennessee, they're seeing more and more. So I don't know if some of this is just how I cope, but I tell myself that um, 
I would rather be in Sonoma County in California in a place where people know what's happening and are trying to adapt than living in a place that's going to be confronted with disaster, but their heads are in the sand about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd also say, and I think it's an, kind of an important tie-in is that I am a mother now. I have a two and a half year old. So it's a big deal to think about, not even really for me, how I'm going to deal with, but what's the world going to look like for her when she's 40 or mm-hmm. when she's 50? And, you know, it, it, the decision to have a child now, you know, I, I'd never done it before. I don't know what it was like 25 or 50 years ago, but I can tell you that my mom friends and, and just the women who were my girlfriends before we were moms, when we talk about having children, this is a big part of it. You know, you wonder, do I want to bring a life into this? What, into this world? What's it going to be like? Is it worth it? Um, you know? Nick, is that your same calculus? You know, you're not a mom, obviously, but are you, but do you feel the same way about staying, basically? Uh, I I wouldn't want to live anywhere else because you know I'm I'm studying to be a photojournalist, and if if the action's here, there's no place else I would want to be. You know, it's it's unfortunate and fortunate that you know. Covering a fire is my my bread and butter mm-hmm. for the oak leaf at right. the at the the junior college. So, you know, um, I I don't see myself moving because of a fire. I'd rather leave on my own terms when that happens. We're talking about the podcast Chronic Catastrophe with three of its co-hosts and producers who are journalism students at Santa Rosa Junior College: Lauren Spates, Nick Vitas, and Maritza Camacho. Thanks so much to all three of you. Last comment from Jennifer. You know, we had been taking it year by year, and this made me realize how cumulative it is. I sleep with a list of things to pack beside my bed in a go bag. I still want to live here because of all the things, but it's changing. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another segment with KQED's Luke Sai after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.